The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 199 of the podcast. Or you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube. Today is Sunday, July 12th. And a very happy birthday to my uncle, who's a frequent listener of the show, Uncle Tommy. I think we agreed we'd have to call him Uncle Tommy, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. But in any case, happy birthday. Hope you're having a, a great birthday in quarantine uh as as enjoyable as it can be uh but there were some great fights this weekend so you got to enjoy those before we get into that let me introduce my trusty co-pilot all the way from the garden state jeff the animal wilson jeff i feel on this sunday afternoon my friend well i'm a little disappointed um i thought this card Underdelivered. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. So, I I, I want to try and keep it as positive as possible. Obviously, there's a lot there's a lot of negativity unpack here, and and we're gonna hit on all of it and and try to have some fun with it like we always do. First of all, I'll start off with a positive. Uh, I want to thank everybody who messaged me on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else and was asking if we were going to do a uh, brawl crawl uh, fight companion for this show. You know, I, I always appreciate getting good feedback. Like you, you guys, uh, you know, if you like something about the show, you let me know and, you know, we'll try to keep doing that. If you don't like something about the show, also let me know. We'll try to not do that. I mean, Obviously, we can't please everybody, but uh, it was awesome to get so many messages asking about the asking about the uh, the fight companion brawl crawl. But the the reason I didn't want to do it for this one specifically is because of all the title fights. So usually we do the last three fights of the main card. If we did that for this one, it would have been so long. Jeff, I I got to be honest with you. I fell asleep during the main event, and and that's no disrespect to the athletes competing. That's because it was almost two o'clock in the morning yeah. and i i have a human alarm clock who has no mercy she she does not care how light how late the fights go what title is on the line uh how good they were uh how much dad had to drink while he was watching the fights she does not care um she woke me up this morning like clockwork at 6 45 a.m and um you, you know we did what we do every sunday we went for a nice uh Nice bike ride in the 112 degree heat or whatever it was today. But yeah, so thank you to everybody who messages and, and asks for things on the show. Um, you know, I say every week that I want to hear from you guys and I mean it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll always take your requests into consideration. But I just couldn't do it for this one because I knew I wasn't going to be able to. <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to put on the kind of performance that you've come to expect from MMA on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I didn't have it in me. Cause I, I just looking at that fight, I was like, 
I'm thinking two out of three of these are going to go the distance. So that's that's 90 minutes of just fighting, plus all the in-between filler stuff. Like, it would have been too much and would have been too late. Uh, probably would have gotten too intoxicated to uh, to to deliver uh, to deliver a good show. But there's that, and I have a I have a second shout out, Jeff, before we get into the card. To my buddy Matt Temple, uh, just got back from a road trip. He drove up to Ohio, unfortunately, because he had a relative pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fortunate part about it was he got to take a road trip with his wife and and their young puppy, and and see some cool stuff, and. Uh, on the way back, they were stopping in North Carolina. I said, you have to find some burial beer because that was my f- favorite brewery when I went to uh, Asheville about a year ago. And uh, he found it, and then he had to go back and get more. And then I think he went back and got more. <laughs> and then he, I was in my garage. I was sanding, I was sanding this, uh, this step stool I made for my daughter. So I had the garage door open about this much for those of you only listening to the audio version it's like foot and a half two feet and all of a sudden i see like this pair of feet walking up (laughs) to my garage i'm like what it's saturday night like who's who's walking up to my we're all in uh pandemic like who's walking up to my house right now and i see a bag of beer drop down in front of my face and uh (laughs) it brought me some burial beer so shout out to matt for the beer coming through uh, I enjoyed a couple of those during the fights last night. So, you know, a few positive things to start off and, uh, and then we can get into this, but as far as the fights, Jeff, um, you know, we could, we could kind of slice this up a couple different ways. Here's where I want to start. Yuri Prohaska. Jeff, mm. did I not tell you last week? Yeah, you called this, it. This was going to be the fight. Yeah. Um, and, and what a fight, man. That the first round was so interesting. Like he's got such a wild style with, with the you know moving around and like sign language and whatever <laughs> whatever he was doing in there. Like I felt like he was like a third base coach. <laughs> like, Bill, I like, have to watch baseball to understand that reference. <laughs> Okay, well, well, how about one of those sign language interpreters that's like, you know, the mayor or somebody's giving a speech and they got the interpreter on the side. And, and it, it kind of was that kind of distraction because like, you know, sometimes you're paying more attention to that person, even if you don't fucking understand sign language. <laughs> but it, it worked, man. I feel like he put Ozemir off of his game because Ozemir is, is a guy who's super dangerous, but he's usually very composed. Um, and, and he's a great counter fighter. So he's usually good at, at like downloading guys timing and then countering off of that. And he was able to catch Yuri a couple of times, uh, with, with that, but we, you saw him coming forward a lot more, which is, is very out of character for him. Uh, you know, I think he knew that he had the power in his hands to, to put Prohaska out, but, um, you, you know, he took some risks and, and it didn't really pay off for him. He, he, he got into a brawl with a guy who I guess happened to be a better brawler, but yeah, I told you guys last week to, to keep an eye on this fight. I actually thought it was going to be on the main card, but it, it makes sense that it wasn't. Uh, I, I, I think it should have been on the main card over the page Van Zant 
Amanda Ibas fight, but that we'll get into that. Um, so give me your thoughts on uh, Prohaska here, Jeff. What, what do you think about this guy's debut? Light heavyweight champion from Ryzen coming over, making a big splash in the UFC. Bill, I like the cut of this guy's jib. I like the antics. I like the chaos. You know I'm all for anarchy there. So I loved it, man. It was super entertaining. Uh, Volkan Ozdemir kind of fell into it a little bit in the beginning. Uh, it looked like he was having a good first round. Um, and after uh, uh, Yuri uh, Prochaska kind of got the jitters out, um, he you know he put it on Ozdemir, man. It was a nasty one too that put him down. Mm-hmm. So huge credit to both of these guys. You know Ozdemir and his terrible haircut went into. <laughs> <laughs> they they went into a lot of danger here, man. Um, relatively unknown in the UFC, you know. I, I consider myself uh, not a casual, but somewhere as as a follower of the UFC. And you know, I had no idea who this guy was until you told me about him last week. But um, he he put on a show really entertaining, and you know, it, it's a shame for Osdemir. You know, uh, it's it's one of the risks we talk about is. Um, you know, he's up there. He's ranked number seven, I think he is. And he took a big risk. And, you know, we saw that it didn't pay off. Uh, different story in the main event. But, Bill, who do you see next for Jerry Proyaska here? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I wanted to get into. Because, you know, he just knocked out Ozdemir, who's... I, I, I think you're right. He might be seven. Some places have him eight. Um, so not a whole lot of people who are available in front of him. You know, you got John Jones... Uh, obviously Dominic Reyes is, is holding out for that rematch with John Jones. Um, you got Blahovich and Santos. I, I believe they're going to fight. Mm. Um, you got Teixeira. Uh, Teixeira has a, a fight lined up as well. I'm not sure with whom. Uh, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith has a fight, doesn't he? Uh, not 100% sure on that. Oh, but he just came off of that. Uh, that, that beating he took where he got his teeth knocked out. So he probably won't be back in there for a while. Um, I, so you'd have to go with a number below uh, the guy you just fought, I think. Uh, I think Nikita Krylov is a good choice. Alexander Rakic is a good choice. A lot of people saying Johnny Walker. Then you got uh, Jimmy Crute, Misha Serkinov. Um, You know, somebody with a name um, who, who's – probably going to stand with him. It this division is not very grappler heavy. I would keep him away from like a Corey Anderson for a while. Mm. Um I don't know how good of a grappler he is, but we know we know he's an awesome striker. Um but it, it'll be pretty easy to to have him avoid grapplers. Um you know, you got Jacare wandering around in this division as well. Um but yeah, any of those names kind of appeal to you, Jeff? I I'd like to see him fight um, Johnny Walker, but the whole thing would just look too weird, Bill. Um, I actually would like to see him maybe fight like Luke Rockhold. Somebody's gonna stand up with him, and Luke Rockhold, you know, he, he has a thing where he's always comes in a little too cocky. So I think that uh, that would be to Priyaska's advantage. Um, but yeah, I, I think Jimmy Crude is a good one too. Jimmy Crude, you know, he always brings it. Uh, he's pretty well rounded, so I think that'd be a really good test for. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably going to land on one of those guys. Um, I, I think out of those, probably Krylov would be the toughest test for him. Yeah. Um, just because he's, he's so well-rounded and, and he would, he would mix in, 
he would mix in some grappling. Um, another fun one would be Ryan Spann. That would be a fun fight too because that guy's explosive. He's got crazy power. But um, the important thing is that we're talking about Prohaska. Now, um, here's a guy who I feel like is very smart about his career. Apparently, he was offered a chance to come to the UFC sooner, and he said no. He wanted to you know, build up his resume a little bit more. And, and it paid off. You know, he became a champion. He knocked out some notable fighters, you know, King Mo and CB Dalloway, um, you know, guys who have experience in the big shows. And, and he's like, okay, I'm ready. And obviously he was, uh, you know, taking out Ozdemir who fought for the title in, in very recent memory. Um, as, as for Ozdemir, man, um, you got to feel for the guy. I mean, this guy had so much mystique behind him coming in like, oh, this is the guy that Rumble Johnson brings in for sparring because, uh, you know, everybody's afraid to spar with Rumble, and, and he gives Rumble a hard time oh, in the wow. training room. Um, yeah, that was kind of the story they, they were using to build up Ozdemir. Um, and, and then, you know, he came in starching guys, like moving backwards. And it's like, oh shit, this guy's got dynamite in his hands. Um, you know, fought for the title. We saw some holes in his game exposed by Cormier, uh, you know, with the wrestling and stuff like that. Um, and he got knocked down a ladder a little bit and that, that was a brutal knockout, man. You got to feel bad for, for Ozdemir there. Um, I don't know that, that was a fun one for me, Jeff. That was the highlight of the card. Uh, where, where do you want to take it from here? Um, we can kind of go anywhere. Um, but man, Bill, I, uh, oh, for me, uh, fight that I was really excited about was, uh, Makwan Amir Khani versus Danny Henry, man. Uh, Amir Khani wasting no time, went in there, was pushing the pace, slapped on this, um, uh, it looked like an anaconda slash uh, Darce choke mm -hmm. on Danny Henry, and he put Danny Henry out, dude. Uh, he didn't even tap. Henry just went limp. And uh, I think Amir Khani realized that and actually said something to the ref to come and check him out. So mm -hmm. a huge win for Amir Khani, uh, someone that you know we've been kind of been keeping an eye on. Uh, we said it'd be interesting if Billy Quarantillo, Quarantillo actually fought him, which I am still all for. I think that's an exciting fight to put on. But, yeah, dude, I was just really impressed with uh, um, with Amir Khani, especially in this featherweight division where uh, we don't really know what's next for the champ. Yeah, and we don't really know how the champ is still the champ. That's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, yeah, that, that was a definitely an impressive performance from Marikani. Uh, didn't get a bonus for that one. I, I thought it was deserving of one, but you know, there were so many other, there's so many other shining moments on this card. Yeah. A lot of people confuse that Darce and Anaconda. So it, the way you got to think of it is with the Darce, your arm is going under the neck first and then under the armpit. And with the Anaconda, it's the opposite. You're going under the armpit and then under the neck. That's the only difference between the two. And then, you know, you have to roll a certain way. Uh, depending which one you're going for, but it was interesting the way he, the way he snaked his arms in there and locked up the position, and then used his legs to kind of pry the arm where he wanted to put it. Um, high level, uh, and apparently, like that's his move, like that's what he goes for. Um, and, and they, Danny Henry, I guess his team even said they were practicing the defense of the Anaconda uh, Dars position. But I mean, when a guy, when a guy just has that move and he has you know it, it takes a certain body type that's why like tony ferguson can hit those darce chokes 
from from odd angles you know you got to have like long arms and you got to have like the right grooves in your biceps that your your <laughs> your fingers just slide right into um it, it it's not something that everybody could do um you know me i've got i've got pretty short arms so i i have to do like a modified version of dar's chokes um and things like that anacondas and um you know i just get rolled too too easily uh i don't have the ability to kind of snake it in you know with those those lengthy arms but yeah definitely impressive performance by makwan americani um yeah that guy's super talented and then um I, i'll give you what what i thought should have been fight of the night uh the first fight davy grant and martin day these guys were back and forth um you know it had everything it had grappling it had striking you know both guys got dropped at one point and then they just got put out with a nasty ko in the middle of the third round uh, but before that these guys fought at such a crazy pace and you know they both had their moments in this fight where they looked good um everywhere you know you thought it was going to be you know grant's grappling against day's striking but you know day looked good um in some of those grappling exchanges and obviously grant you know got the better of the striking in the end uh this was the fight of the night for me grant i believe did get a performance in the night bonus so there's at least that but i would have picked this one for fight of the night what about you jeff yeah dude this was a very exciting opening fight for this card um dude it was so back and forth i had it kind of i had it around a piece heading into the third round and then davy grant just landed. i think it was a left hand dude and martin day just dropped to the floor um huge win for him a uh, very exciting fight man um I- i'm telling you bill it, for those of you watching uh, listening, I'm sorry, or watching, check out the prelims. Like the early prelims, um, they're start, they're getting better all the time, dude. Yeah, um, it it did kind of slow down after that fight, uh, but then there were there were some good ones in there. But I guess um, all right. So I guess we hit on all the good stuff. Like now we gotta get into this, <laughs> gotta get into this main card here. And there's man. I, I I know there's going to be a lot of negativity out there today. I tr- I tried to stay off of Twitter and everything because you know it gets to be it gets to be just like everybody kind of feeds off the the hate. <laughs> well, hold on, Bill. I got you. I got you. Before we get into the negative stuff, let me give you a positive, Bill. Bill, I wouldn't be endorsing this product if I didn't absolutely believe in it. But Bill, I ordered a mask from you guys. From Marcel the gift, and Bill, I actually got the one. And for those of you listening, Bill and I didn't even talk about this before the show. I've been telling Bill all week how much I love the mask. Uh, <laughs> and you, I mean, I got text messages to prove it. So, um, actually, this one has an adjustable strap, which is good for me because I have this wrecking ball head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have a huge head. So, the regular mask, because I have a couple of those from you guys, Bill, that one. It fit me, but it was kind of pulling down on my ears and giving me some irritation. But mm-hmm. the adjustable strap, I love because I can kind of fix it to fit my um, wide ass head. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, I've been playing with this. I finally found like a good spot where I really like it. And <clears throat> this one's a little big, which I like because I put it under my glasses. Mm-hmm. So. My glasses, um, they don't fog up because when I put the mask over my glasses, like when I breathe out, it goes right into the lenses. So I like putting my glasses over the mask. But, dude, 
Um, seriously, this thing's awesome. I love the design. This is the United States one. Um, I'm probably going to wear this to school every day when nice. it starts up again. And I'm going to tell everybody it's a Captain America themed. <laughs> so I don't get shit from anybody. But there you seriously, go. seriously, love it. Um, I've got a couple for my parents as well. Nice. I really like the adjustable, um, the adjustable straps. Yeah, that um, that came from from feedback where people were saying, you know, they love the material and everything, but it, it it's not necessarily one size fits all, and that's I guess the problem people are having with the masks. And you know, if we have to wear these things, you know, you, we got to make them comfortable. So, yeah, um, I, I don't talk about my my job too much on, on this show but it, yeah i know a lot of places are mandating the masks so uh my company's been making them marcellagifts.com uh, if you if you guys want to go check that out and we've we've been getting a lot of positive feedback on them and and uh when we get criticism we listen just like i do here on mma on the rocks the, the same way I, I run the podcast is the same way you know we we run the business so um yeah we, we thank everybody for the feedback and yeah, the masks are, are kind of a controversial thing too, right? Because people are, are you know, they're, they're uncomfortable and people don't want to be forced to wear them. And they're like, it infringes on my freedom or whatever bullshit they're saying. But here's what I have to say about it. Uh, wearing the mask and stuff, even if it does nothing, you know, even if like, say you could scientifically prove like there's no use for it. If it makes people around you feel more comfortable being around you, then put the mask on, you know, just put it on. It's not a big deal. You wear it at the grocery store for a little while, uh, you know, and otherwise like, don't, don't go to play. If you, if you go to a restaurant, you don't have to wear it while you're eating. Like it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Like they've been doing it in Asia for hundreds of years. You know, if somebody's sick, they wear a mask in public so they don't get other people sick. It's uh, you know, it's just a common courtesy that, you would like to see, you, you know, you just want to see people being good to each other. And this is like a very menial task. Anyway, rant over. I don't like to get too political on here because then you start to get people. It's like, oh, you, you don't want to wear a mask. You, you probably believe in in fascism. <laughs> like, hey, dude, I don't care about any of that stuff. But I figure if I'm going to wear a mask, I might as well pick a cool design. Uh, which you guys definitely have options. Um, but yeah, man, uh, like I said, I, I think the adjustable strap is genius. I was texting Claudia about it earlier this week that I thought it was a stroke of genius. Yeah, man. She comes up with a lot of great ideas. Um, so we'll keep on the positive vibe here. Uh, Chris Mays on a show um, asking what I'm sipping on here. And uh, I'm sticking with my tequila theme, Chris. I've been on a big tequila kick lately. Um, you know, it's summertime, it's hot out. Uh, sometimes the, the whiskeys get a little bit heavy, uh, you know, it's a hundred degrees out. So it's nice to have something light, but, uh, I like a little flavor to it too. So I like, I've been into the aged tequilas. I've been talking about that where they basically take the tequila and age it in like oak barrels and stuff, much like they do with bourbon. So you kind of get some of those oaky, you know, vanilla chocolate flavors that you get in the bourbons. Um, but you know, they drink a little bit lighter. So this is a Cazadores, which, uh, there's a deer on here. So maybe it means deer. I don't know. What does that mean? Jeff? It actually means hunters bill. Oh, that makes sense. 
Yep. Well, you don't have to hunt very hard for this tequila because it's pretty easy to find. It's a pretty good price point. Um, you know, a bottle of this, this is the Reposado, which is, you know, uh, I talk about this all the time. So you have your silver, which is not aged in anything that just, you know, comes right out of the distiller. They bottle it. Then you have the Reposado, usually aged like six to 12 months. So you kind of get a little bit of the flavor seeping in. And then you have the Añejo, which is aged like 12 to 18 months, somewhere in there. Some of them longer, um, but they usually don't go much longer than that with tequila. So this is nice because it's got it's got some oaky tones to it, but it, it's real subtle. Uh, so it's a, it's a nice sipper for this uh, hot-ass saturday here in florida it's so it's so humid jeff and the rain hasn't been coming for for like it's rainy season now but like we haven't been getting the rain uh but nobody told the mosquitoes that because they're out there florida state bird you know oh dude um it's been pretty humid up here too because of uh that tropical storm fair whatever but uh yesterday and friday it was raining really hard so it kind of cooled everything down so bill i can't say i envy you yeah, yeah, it's been hot, but you know, it's pretty easy to just stay inside. Um, all right, so <clears throat> I got you know, there, there's a lot to unpack with this main card here. Let's start with the main event. Um, I, a lot of people upset about this one, and, and my question is, uh, what were you expecting? Like, you, you know, what Kamaro Usman's gonna do. You know what he's going to do. He's going to go out there. He's going to neutralize his opponent's game plan. And and he's going to hold him down. And he's going to try and beat the fuck out of him for 25 minutes. Um, why that makes people so angry, I'll never know, Jeff. Um, and, and, you know, I've had my theories about it. I think people are just uncomfortable with the idea of, of wrestling. Um you know, because if you, I think if you ask a lot of fighters too, you know, would you rather get knocked out in the first round or would you rather be controlled and made to feel helpless for 25 minutes? A lot of fighters are going to pick getting knocked out, you know, because then you could say, like, oh, I got caught. And, uh, you know, you move on, you know, rest up and move on. But when you're controlled for 25 minutes in there, it, it's made very clear that that you don't have the skills to compete with this person who's controlling you because they're not letting you do what you want to do. And a lot of people don't look at it that way. They look at it as well. This is not entertaining enough for me <laughs> because, you know, we, we live in a very self-centered culture, Jeff. Uh, and that's just the way it is. And, and, you know, it was the same way with, with George St. Pierre, you know, uh, a lot of people were complaining about George St. Pierre at the time, but everybody watched. Everybody would watch when George St. Pierre was fighting. Now, Usman, wh whatever it is, he doesn't have the same, like, savoir-faire as, as George St. Pierre. He doesn't have the same charisma. Um, I, I don't know... I don't know what it is about him that, that rubs people the wrong way, but he just doesn't have, like... You know, he's not a shit talker. He's not like a big personality. He's just a guy who grabs his lunchbox and he goes to work. He's he's like the model of hard work paying off. And people don't want to see that. 
people don't want to believe that this shit takes hard work. They they want to believe that you could get off the couch and throw a flying knee and end a fight in five seconds and become a superhero. And sometimes you can, but it doesn't always work that way. Usually it takes a lot of fucking hard work. And with Masvidal, you know, you see him in the public and he's, he's, you know, he's charismatic and he's got like this swagger to him and he, he plays up the street Jesus thing and people love it. But what you're not seeing is all the grueling hours he's putting in the gym and, and what he's done for the last 16 years or so. Um, he's doing all the same things Usman is doing. It's just that Usman kind of wears it that way. Whereas Masvidal is able to wear it as like this entertaining character, hmm. which has really developed in the past like year and a half or so for him. He really kind of figured out how to market himself and, and it's been working really well for him. But I mean, you can't deny it. Kamara Usman is the best welterweight fighter on the planet. And maybe ever, I think we're, we still haven't seen, I mean, he's 33 years old, undefeated in the UFC. He hasn't lost a fight since 2013. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't know what else, what else the guy has to do. And people say he, he doesn't finish enough fights. I mean, he's finished, he's finished eight fights out of 18. Uh, and and it speaks to the division too, because this division is so stacked. Like people don't get finished. Like there was the same criticism of Tyron Woodley. He does he's not finishing anybody? There was the same criticism of George St. Pierre. He's not finishing people. There was the same criticism of Matt Hughes. You could go all the way to the start of this welterweight division, and it's been the same criticism because this is like the average weight of of a human man, and you you happen to have like a lot of talent. And, and finishing fights is not something that's easy. Um, so yeah, that was my little rant about it. But um, I gave uh, I gave Masvidal the first round. I, I think only one judge agreed with that. But you know, we know these judges were trash. Uh, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? It reminds me of Frazier because you know Frazier had a radio show in 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 the show Frazier, but. If that's all you watched, you wouldn't know how good of a psychiatrist he was <laughs> on Cheers, right? You you only see the success. You don't know what it took to get to the top of the mountain. You didn't see the climb, right? And, Bill, uh, one, I'm, I'm doing this, one, as a metaphor, and two, because you challenged me to bring up Frazier whenever possible. <laughs> so, so, but the point is, um, you know, you um, people would call into the show and stuff, but nobody saw all the times that he sat down with somebody, the months that he worked with Diane from Cheers. Um, so, you know, Masvidal, listen, I love him. I'm a fan of his. I, I like his charisma. Um, you know, the three-piece and soda thing is awesome. But <clears throat> like you said, you know, we haven't seen the hours that he's putting in the gym. We see it with Kamaru Usman. And I think Usman, and just to go over some of the comments here, uh, Mark Fellows, shout out to him from Australia. He says, Usman fought a smart fight, simple as that. Used his skills in the best possible way versus Masvidal's stand-up style. And Christopher Mays, all same, same, very similar reaction. Fight went very GSP, Fitch, Koscheck-esque, you could say. Um, just a grind win, which I agree with both of these comments. I think that mm -hmm. Usman went in there with the right game plan. 
he neutralized Masvidal's stand up. Listen, and you listen, you got to understand something. If you thought, and I'm I'm speaking, I don't mean you, but I mean you in general to all the fans out there. If you thought that Masvidal was going to come in and do to Kamaru Usman what he did to Ben Askren, you don't watch UFC or you don't watch enough of it. You don't know anything about this welterweight division. Um, Kamaru Usman, <clears throat> listen, and Tyron Woodley did this too. He had they they have their boring fights, but what mm-hmm. do they do? They get results. Is that going to be pretty? No. Is everybody going to like it? No. But you know what? If Masvidal had gone in there and knocked out Usman in five seconds, people would have complained about that too. They would have been like, this is a main event. Why was it only five seconds long? Yeah. Listen, Usman went in there. This is a game of chess, man, and Usman got the checkmate. Um, Yeah. You know, I I loved what he was doing, dude. Hitting Masvidal up against the cage and just ripping up that body, making sure that Masvidal was getting tired. Bill, um, he knew that Masvidal didn't have the cardio to go five rounds with him. Mm-hmm. Masvidal stopped fighting after three rounds. Mm-hmm. After that, it was all it was all Usman taking him down. You know, the first couple of takedowns didn't really work, but then rounds four and five, Masvidal was on his back for ten minutes, man. So, yeah. so listen, you know, you, we can want whatever we want, but Usman wanted the result, and he did what he thought was best and it worked because he's still a champ. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought it was a great performance by Usman and I think he's, he's definitely not going to get the credit he deserved because yeah, Masvidal stepped up on six days notice, but uh, you know, there's a lot of word out there that he kind of knew all along and he was training the whole time and bringing in wrestlers and everything. And it kind of showed because his takedown defense was, was excellent. Uh, you know, he did a better job of stopping those takedowns earlier in the fight uh, than Woodley did. And Woodley is a much more credentialed wrestler than both of these guys. Um, so, yeah, but but Usman with that pressure, man, he just breaks you. And and, and credit to Masvidal. So even if he didn't have a full camp, which I, I kind of get the feeling he did, but I got to take him at his word. Um, so he didn't have a full camp. He, you know, he was still in there at the end of the fight. You know, he still scrambled right at the end. He got up swinging, uh, and he was trying to make something happen. Um, you know, it just wasn't his night. But I think uh, here's what I would do. I think you got to give Gilbert Burns the title shot now because you, it, it was taken away from him from something that was out of his control. And uh, we do Masvidal versus Leon Edwards. I think that fight needs to happen. And then the winner of that, uh, you know, gets right back in there for the title. Um, I, I don't really see uh, a more fair way to do it. Um, you know, cause the other top guys have all been knocked down a peg, you know, Woodley's been knocked down by Burns and, um, you know, Colby Covington is still in there. He could, he could come in and make a case. His fight with Usman was awesome. I would love to see that rematch. Um, but yeah, I think you do that. You, you do that kind of little round Robin for now. Um, you know, I think the Covington Masvidal fight is another way to go. Uh, you know, if those guys really do have bad blood, um, but it, you know, so you got a good storyline there. I, I think it's, I think it's a fun thing for the division. Like a lot of people complaining about Usman, but you, you're probably going to want to watch his next fight. Cause you, you, you want to see him lose. You want to see him win or you want to see him lose. Like it's the only reason you watch these things. And, you know, it's, I think people want to see like these, these storybook fights, you know, where 
Masvidal had this great year. He becomes the, the bad motherfucker champion, and then he gets off the couch, and he comes and he wins the, the real championship. And that's, you know, that's how it happens in, like, a movie. Um, but this isn't a movie. Like, if you want to see something where you know what's going to happen, then you got to watch, like, pro wrestling. In this, it's it's one guy's skill set against another guy's skill set. And whether you like the way that looks or not is irrelevant. You know, it, it's it's up to those guys to settle it, and Usman settled it. I mean, he was the better fighter, at least last night. Um, and in another case, with the co-main event, um, the, the better fighter did not win, uh, in my opinion, and I think in a majority of people's opinion. Uh, so Volkanovski gets a split decision win over Max Holloway. I, man, I thought this fight was all Holloway. Uh, you know, obviously Volkanovski won the fifth round. I, other than that, I can't say there was another decisive round for him. Um, you, you know, a lot of people are are giving Max one through three, and, and Volkanovski four and five. Man, I if you told me you scored four rounds for Holloway, I'd be okay with it. I've seen all different kinds of stats and things, which is kind of why I don't like when Anik brings up like the, the striking, like, Oh, he's out striking him like 30 to 20 or whatever, because the judges don't get that information. So it, it kind of influences the audience. So I kind of wish they wouldn't do that. But um, yeah, man, I thought this fight was all Holloway. And I thought, um, you know, these judges took it away from him. And now he's, he's in a position where he's, 0-2 against the champion. And usually when that happens, you'll very rarely see that third match. Um, so they really robbed him of a lot there. I could see like if it was really close giving it to the champ, but th if that if you believe that, then Holloway shouldn't have lost the first time because that fight was way closer than this fight. You know, I thought Volkanovsky won the first fight, but it was close. You know, you can make an argument for Holloway. Not a very good one, but you could make one. Uh, in this fight, I don't see how you make an argument that Volkanovski won this fight. I just don't. Uh, and in the post-fight press conference, Dana White was like, Max won that fight. And then he asked everybody in the media that was there. I mean, it's it's pandemic, so maybe there was only three people there. But he was like, did any of you have it for Volkanovski? And it was crickets. Um, I don't know. He's like, all right, so nobody in the media had ever Volkanovski. He's like, you can't leave it to these judges. They're horrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, shout out to Dave, my brother-in-law. Cheers, buddy. Um, what, what do you think about this one, Jeff? This is just, I mean, it, there, there's no other way to say it, really, but try to say it another way. Yeah, so first, you know, shout out to Dave from Dino. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed to meet him. Uh Really good guy. I'm, I'm glad that he's married to your sister, Bill. Meet him. You were at his wedding, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I met him before that. I had to meet him first. I know. I, <laughs> I know, but you act like you, you met him one time. Like, you know him pretty well. Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had dinner a few times. I was at the wedding, so hopefully <laughs> that's going well. Um, you almost <laughs> officiated the wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah, funny story about that. Um, yes, I almost did. Uh, I am ordained, but in the state of New York and Las Vegas, only two places in the United States where you have to actually be ordained through like a church that is uh, recognized by the state. Um, 
which, you know, I it makes sense for Las Vegas because everybody gets, you know, um, does rush weddings there. So that made sense to me. Why New York does it, I don't know. But um, the uh, moving on, uh, we got sidetracked for a second. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> dude, um, you know, Volkanovsky winning this is like me saying that I can apply to be Pope because I'm ordained. It's <laughs> happened. It can't happen. I don't know how this happened. Uh, dude, going into the fifth round, I had it. I had, and, and I had my doubts. I had rounds one and four definitely for Max Holloway. Round two, I gave to Volkanovsky. Round three, I was pretty close. I could see it going either way. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I felt like the statistics told a different story because they said that Volkanovsky outstruck Max Holloway in the third round. But Holloway was making Volkanovski back up a lot. And I felt like he won the end of that round, too. So, you know, I, I had it for Holloway. Um, at least three rounds to two. Um, I, I don't know. Two of these judges gave it to Volkanovski. I don't know why or what reason. But, dude, uh, I really felt like Max Holloway got robbed. Um, you know, I, I there are very few fights that I feel that way where somebody gets robbed. Because usually when it's like this... I, I could see it going either way. I could see an argument being made for both sides. Here, I thought Holloway had it, dude. Um, you know, it, it's a shame because, like you said, now he's 0-2 against the champ. And unless Volkanovski loses the belt in the near future, um, I don't see Holloway getting another crack at uh, Volkanovski. At least yeah. not at 145. I mean, here's what I want for Holloway anyway. Uh I want him to go back to 155. You know, he only had the one, you know, he only had the one fight there with Poirier. And that was a close fight, man. And since then, we've seen how good Poirier is. I mean, he won the interim title with that. Um, and, you know, he's probably going to fight for the title again pretty soon, I would think. Um, you know, that that win over, over Hooker was super impressive. And, um, you know, so he lost that fight, but it was close. He went the distance with the, the interim champ. I, I think Max could really make a run at 155. And, you know, he's big enough. He's got the skills. Uh, I would like to, I would like to see that. Um, yeah, but I, I, I feel like he deserves a rematch. I feel like, you know, maybe Dana will give it to him. Um, and these guys, you know, they have very different body types, very different styles. It's it's a it's an awkward matchup, but one of these guys has to figure out a way to finish it because we've had two, you know, kind of controversial decisions, I guess. But what are you giggling about over there? Uh, one, <laughs> the the fact that you brought up that I was ordained the wedding. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> It's just a funny story. Um, but also, Bill, at the end of this Holloway-Volkanovski fight, Volkanovski had to take a knee. Holloway's over celebrating with his corner. Uh -huh. so to me, it looked – Max Holloway looked like the champ at the end of that fight. Volkanovski was – Yeah. He looked like he'd been beat. Um, but, you know, uh, two people saw it differently. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. I, I even I I texted um I texted my my uncle this uh, right after the fight I was like well Holloway won Volkanovski deserves a rematch but I have no desire to see it 
Um, and, and that's the truth. Like if, if Holloway had won the decision, like he should have like Volkanovs, it would have been one apiece, and Volkanovs, he would have deserved the rematch, but I'm like, I'm kind of tired of this fight. <laughs> but since Holloway got robbed, it's like the right thing is for it to happen a third time. And I still don't want to see it, but that's, that's still the right thing. Like I'm ready to move on. Like it's, you know, this is a relationship that's been dead in the water for five months and, and like, you're still kind of in it and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but we're just talking about weddings. Now we're getting into this. <laughs> well, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta make analogies for people, Jeff. We don't, we don't have like all MMA fans who listen to the show. We got people from all walks of life uh, tuning in here. So well, my question is how and why, <laughs> like, if, if you're not into MMA or beer, what are you doing listening to the show? We just have electrifying personalities, Jeff. People like to hear us speak. It's <laughs> just the way it is. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I've been told I have a voice for print, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, no, it wouldn't make sense then. Well, yeah. You always tell me that you have a face for radio and I have a voice for print. Uh, what doesn't make sense? What, but if you had a if you had a voice for print, then people wouldn't be tuning in to hear you. Never mind. Let's talk about Peter Yan and, and Jose Aldo. Um, this fight was a lot more competitive, and I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, I think people pictured like what happened in the fifth round um, happening in the first round, uh, and, and you know, it was a close fight. Aldo, you know, had some good spots in there. Uh, he, he brought the leg kicks back. A lot of people were excited for that. It's like, uh, it's like going to see your favorite band and they haven't played like their hit song in a long time. And then all of a sudden they hit that first chord and everybody goes crazy. Like that's how I feel like people were reacting to the, uh, to the leg kicks from Aldo. Um, but yeah, you know, Jan looked good. Uh, I saw, you know, I noticed some things about his game, like especially when he got on top of Aldo, it looked like he was a little lost positionally there, um, which would concern me if he got in there with with like a really good grappler. I mean, Aldo's a black belt, but, but he's an old school Brazilian black belt where, it, you know, it, it it's that top position where he's going to be scary, you know, off his back. Maybe not so much. He's probably got a few tricks, but, um, you know, it's not going to be like Brian Ortega on his back, you know? Um, but, oh yeah, here, here's my mom is listening. See, she enjoys listening. Jeff, she doesn't know anything about MMA. That's fair. Sue, Dave, I miss you guys. When this is all over, I can drive up to see you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't have much on this one, man. I mean, Jan looked good. Um, you know, he, he broke Aldo down. Uh, he had some, he, he had some big shots, but he, he took a lot of damage himself, you know, especially from those leg kicks. He had to end up switching his stance. Uh, I think in the second round, he started fighting like exclusively Southpaw, uh, because he was trying to avoid those leg kicks and they were, they were thunderous, man. Those were like the, uh, Aldo leg kicks of old. Um, but yeah, what did you think about this one, Jeff? 
Bill, um, you know, I enjoyed this fight. It was very back and forth. But, dude, credit to Peter Jan. He's a tough dude, man. Um, you know, Aldo was throwing those leg kicks. The very first one put him on his butt. So, yeah. You know, you, you know they were there for real, man. Jose Aldo leg kicks, you know, you, it's gonna be you're gonna be limping for a few days, and dude, Peter Jan, you know he he dug deep, you know after that third round, I thought he was gonna slow down a little bit, because um, Aldo's you know he's been in the deep water many many times. Peter Jan, not so much, but uh, he showed his cardio, he showed his toughness, and credit to Jose Aldo as well, man. Uh, I think no matter what happens, Aldo's a legend. You know, mm-hmm. he's got his spot already in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, I think it's just Peter Jan's time. You know, he's been tearing up this bantamweight division. I thought it was a little too soon for him to get um, a shot at the title, but he proved me wrong. So yeah. now we got to see what's next for him. I certainly hope it's Aljamain Sterling after his fight with um, Corey Cody Sanigan. Yeah. So, Corey Sorry. yeah. Um, so hopefully it's Aljo who gets the next crack at that belt, but, um, I'm excited, man, this band weight division, uh, now it's starting to take shape a little bit and, you know, it, it's going to be a fun ride in the future for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and shout out to my, my beautiful wife as well, who's listening to the show and from downstairs and, and watching our child so that I can do this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's probably like, she's probably watching like, hurry up. She's driving me crazy. Bill, uh, you know where your bread is buttered and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So what I, what I tweeted at the beginning of this fight was this is the interim fight to see who Aljamain Sterling is going to fight for the undisputed championship. And that's what I really believe. I think. You know, you had Aldo coming off a loss, and uh, and uh, Jan, who hadn't had only fought one top contender in Jimmy Rivera. Uh, so, I mean, I think Sterling is a lot more battle tested and probably a lot more deserving, and uh, you know, probably would have been that submission in that position if it wasn't for the setback with the Marlon Marais fight. Um, and uh, my wife just informed us that she had to bribe Ariana with chocolate so she would stop banging on the door while I'm recording. <laughs> yeah, I heard the banging on the door, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going to mute the microphone, but then I was like, that wouldn't be organic. You know, we got to we gotta adapt to our environment here, Jeff. I mean, one day she's going to figure out how to break the door down. And, and, and with the terrible two tantrums we've been seeing lately, it, it's probably not too far off. Uh, the kid is freakishly strong as well. Um, uh, in any case, Latino uh, roots, man. <laughs> it could be. Um, so speaking of Latino roots, I have to tell this story. So my my in laws are from Peru, right? They they were both born there, and and you know spent a lot of their youth there, and, and came here and, and made their lives in America. And the highlight of my weekend, Jeff, was listening to my wife explain to them what being a Karen means. (laughs) 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 They were were FaceTiming with the baby, right? And and Claudia casually says, "Um, hey, you guys know what a Karen is yet? (laughs) Oh, man. And... (laughs) My father-in-law goes, oh, that's that's the white woman who is pretending to be attacked by a black man. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> like, 
well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just one example, but <laughs> um, yeah, that was that that made my weekend. Um, it, it was so funny, but like, not intentionally funny. Well, I can I can picture him saying it too, which makes me realize how many of your family members I've actually met. I know this is this is becoming like a a show about my family, and actually, my my uncle, happy birthday again, uh, is on here. He said, "What's up with Dana after the fight?" Someone asked him if this means Aljo gets the shot at Yan, and Dana said, "Who?" I maybe he misheard. I didn't I didn't hear that clip. Maybe he said. He thought they said Aldo and they said Aljo. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like Dana's kind of going deaf because he, he'll he ask people to repeat the question a lot. So I think that might have just been like something got lost in translation. I don't think um, Dana meant to disrespect Aljo like that. Yeah, but there's also, you know, there's a lot that goes into the decisions here. Like Yan found himself in this position because he represents a certain market in the world that the UFC is trying really hard to, to build more of a fan base in that Russian market. Um, so if they can get the belt around the waist of some Russian fighters, then that helps them accomplish, you know, some more of their goals for becoming more of a global company. And and look, there there may be some shady back end stuff going on with like managers of other fighters, like a Cody Garbrandt or or something like that. Um, and, or maybe you know Aljamain Sterling said something at some point that pissed Dana White off, and and he's gonna you know keep him on the bench, or you know there may be some kind of vendetta there. I don't know. I don't know the the real answer. You know we can speculate on it, but. Yeah, there. I mean, it, it's a billion dollar company, and and they have to make decisions to keep it a billion dollar company. And sometimes that ends up screwing over the the good people in this sport, like an Aljamain Sterling, who is so deserving of a title shot. It's not even funny. Like he should have he should have been fighting for this title when it was vacated. You know, I thought I thought Sterling versus Sandhagen was was more deserving of a title shot than this fight. You know, again, you had Aldo coming off of a loss and you had Yan who had only beaten one contender. Um, and, and that fight was, was below on the card. Uh, you know, Cody Garbrandt fighting a sunset. Mm. So you got that, that kind of made me wonder too, like what's going to happen after this? Uh, you know, if, if Garbrandt and Asuncao are above Sterling and Sanhagen, that kind of says, you know, that kind of speaks to what's next. And w while the fans and everybody with any sense of logic is like Aljamain Sterling is deserving of the next title shot. I mean, you can't ignore the fact that Garbrandt and Asuncao were ahead of him on the last card. Um, so I don't know. We, we got to see how that one plays off. I think a lot of people are going to be outraged and then still watch whatever happens anyway, because there's no other sports going on, but uh Rose Nama Yunus getting a split decision victory over Jessica Andrade. I don't know why this was a split decision. This was very cut and dry for me. Um, I know that Nama Yunus looked worse for wear at the end of this fight. And if you're going by like the old pride rules where the last round is worth more because the, the thought behind that was 
uh, you know, if it, if it were like an actual street fight, the person who's winning at the end of the fight would, if it was like a fight to the death, that person would probably win. And that's probably what you saw here. Um, you know, if this fight went on an, another round or two, Andrade might have finished Nami Yunus. But the scoring system we have is you score it by round. Nami Yunus won the first round. She won the second round very convincingly. And then Andrade won the third round very convincingly. Uh, and, you know, Nami Yunus had a big mouse under her eye and possibly a broken nose. Um I, I mean, if you want to, if you want to give Andrade a ten eight, and at third and call it a draw, you know, I could see that argument maybe, um, but it wasn't that, it wasn't that dominant of a round. There were just like some big shots that did a lot of damage, and you know, some people see the damage and they're like, "How did she lose?" And it, it's like you got to explain basic math. It's like, well, it was two to one. This is how you score these things. Like two is more than one and <laughs> you got to break it down that way. And I, you know, I can't put it more simply than that. So Nami Yunus wins. She was the right person to win. I don't know what's up with that judge who gave it to Andrade. Um, but here we are. Maybe we need to see this one a third time because now it's one to one. Oh yeah, that's right. It is one to one. I forgot Andrade won the first one. No, why Bill? Because Rose won last night. That's why I forgot. Listen, um, the fact of the matter is, yes, she got beat up in that third round, but that's one round. She won the first two pretty convincingly, man. She was piecing up Jessica Andrade in those first two rounds, doing a good job of keeping that distance um, and, and just staying away from Andrade. You know, uh, she learned her lesson from that first fight. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, credit to Rosanama Yunus for getting that one back because, you know, uh, like we saw, that doesn't always happen. Uh, Depends on who's judging. Um, but credit to Rose Namayunas. I think she went in there with the right game plan. Uh, the jab was working really well for her. There were some nice combinations that she was throwing. You know, all credit to uh, Pat Barry, who's her kickboxing coach. So, yeah. Um, did she look a little worse for wear? Yes. But like you said, that was just one round. And, Bill, I think we can talk about one of my favorite fighters, Amanda Ribas <laughs> on Paige Van Zandt. Amanda Hivas is 2-0 and o against Instagram models, Jeff. Who was the first one? Who was the last one? Was it Pearl Gonzalez? No, Mackenzie Dern. Pearl Gonzalez oh. is not in the UFC. I, I, she's not? I feel no. Like I, I believe she's an Invicta. Oh. Well, she posts an awful lot like she's in the UFC. Maybe that's why I'm just used to seeing her everywhere. Whatever. But um, I mean, I, if I didn't know fighting, I wouldn't even know she was a fighter. <laughs> if you just look at her social media. I mean, to be fair, I only know her from her social media. So I didn't even know she was a fighter until a couple weeks ago. Well, I, maybe that's why I thought she was in the UFC. Uh, yeah, I, I'm right. going to double check that right now. But um, yeah, so Amanda Hibas, I. Man, this girl, I feel like, is just picking up steam right now. Um, you know, she can, she's well rounded. She submitted Paige Van Zant, which, you know, a lot of people want to hate on Paige Van Zant. Like, she's a talented fighter, you know? And, and, it, you know, let's be honest, they want to hate on her for good reason because she, she's like, does a lot of cringy stuff, like dancing videos with her, with her husband. And, 
and like I accidentally see it sometimes. And I'm like, oh, why are they doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes and and talks badly about the company that she works for, saying, "Oh, I make more money uh, doing Instagram than I do fighting in the UFC." Uh, it's like nobody's, you know. Nobody's twisting your arm except for Amanda Hebus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> like, like, you don't, you don't have to be here. <laughs> that joke was so bad, but it was so good, man. Oh man! <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta work some, uh, I gotta work some dad humor in. Yeah. So Pearl Gonzalez is an Invicta. Uh, she lost her last fight, which was in February. Um, but yeah, you know, and I have no problem with these female fighters. You know, some people seem to have a problem with them, you know, posting all these pictures, uh, all these, you know, sexually explicit pictures on their social media. Um, I don't think there's any problem with that at all. I think a lot of, a lot of male fighters kind of sexualize their persona, uh, to get themselves out there and, you know, nobody really has a problem with that. So it, if, if that's what it takes to get your name out there, you know, we have, we have fighters like creating characters like Colby Covington and Chel Sonnen to, to get their name out there. You know, if these female fighters think it's the best thing to, you know, show off their assets, uh, pun intended on, on their social media channels to, to get themselves a little bit more recognition. So people want to see them fight then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I, I, Hey, credit to you. You know, you have to use the tools that you have. So like, if you have a nice ass, then use it to, to get yourself some fights. Um, because you know, people will see that and say, Oh wow, this person's a fighter. I want to watch. And then, you know, you work your, if you're actually a good fighter, you work your way up and you know, it goes from there. Um, that being said, like you can't you can't talk all this shit about the company you work for and then you know take so much time off with injuries and this and that and the whole time you're out you're complaining about how much you get paid when you do get in there and fight and then you get finished and Dana White said at the press conference like I I like Paige but you know from all the stuff she's been saying and and all the time she's been taking off like she should probably go explore free agency which is i imagine what she's going to do she's probably going to end up in bellator where her husband fights and probably make a lot of money there and, and uh probably do pretty well but this, the story of this has to be amanda ebus because man she was the biggest favorite on the card and she showed why because she smoked Paige Vance and submitting her in two minutes, 21 seconds uh, with a really nice arm bar. Um, and she's undefeated in the UFC. That's one, two, three, four in a row. And uh, it, it's not like there, she's in there with nobodies. You know, Paige Van Zandt is very tough, very hard to finish. Um, Randa Marcos, she beat and uh, Mackenzie Dern and then Emily, Whit uh, Emily Whitmire mm -hmm. in her uh, UFC debut. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, I, I got to imagine she's like one or two away from a, a title shot here at 125. But, you, you know, that title shot at, at 125 <laughs> is a tall order, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, after her performance last night, you could say, like, if it was anybody but Shevchenko, you could say like, all right, maybe throw her in there for the title, but 
there's nobody to fight Shevchenko right now. <sighs> Hebas looked really good, but I would like to see one or two more from her. What are your thoughts? Dude, I agree with you 100%. I'd like to see Rebus get a little bit more experience. But, man, I don't, I don't know if if who in this women's flyweight division is in a rush to get a title shot, man. Valentina Shevchenko is a scary, scary fighter. Um, and I'm saying in any weight class, men or women. But, dude, you know, let's not take anything away from Amanda Rebus here. She, you know, went in there, did her job, put on a good show. <clears throat> And excuse me, and Bill, you know, how much of this would you say it maybe Paige Van Zandt underestimated Rebus a little bit? And uh, you got to feel for Paige Van Zandt because, you know, and I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes here. You know, that arm, you know, she's had a couple of arm surgeries. Um, and, you know, to get caught in an arm bar, it must be a little traumatizing. You know, I, me personally, I would have tapped a lot sooner to that arm bar, the way the angles were coming in. Yeah, it, it was a tough one, man, because she had, you know, she had the arms tied up and, and yeah, it was a while ago that she injured that arm. I forget if it was, was it the, the Jessica Rose Clark fight where she was in like a really bad arm bar and, and wouldn't tap? Um, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, she's lost three of her last four in the UFC and her contract is up and she's said very publicly that she's unhappy with being in the UFC. So I imagine she's not going to stay in the UFC because they're probably going to send her some low ball deal. That's less money than she was even making. Now. Um, I like how, how much can you say you're worth in a certain industry when you've lost three of your last four fights? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think her best option and, you know, speaking monetarily is probably to go to Bellator, you know, where she can have her sponsors, where she's not going to be locked down by the Reebok deal, which is soon to become the Venom deal, Bill, which uh, yeah. I do want to get into in a minute. But, um, you know, uh, I, you know, more power to Paige Van Zandt. You know, I, I want everybody to be happy. So if she's happier with Bellator and how much she'd be making there, good for her. Um, maybe her and her husband could be on the same fight card. Um, you know, people know him as Mr. Van Zandt, but he's not a bad fighter either. You know, we were talking about when he beat, um, Richie Martinez, uh, mm-hmm. at, uh, submission underground, but, uh, yeah, more power to Paige Van Zandt, dude. You know, I, I'm a fan of hers, you know, not just because of the way she looks, you know, I, I don't mind sh- that she shows some skin online. Um, but Bill, uh, you know, as much as she shows her assets, like you say, I also like when she shows the pictures of her surgery. They're gnarly. You can see bones and tendons, which I think is pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah. and she's super tough. You know, the, the fight with Rose Nami Yunus really showed her toughness. I mean, she took a beating from Rose uh, in that fight. And I, I think that was probably her best performance in that fight. I mean just to show like the grit and the heart that she has. But yeah, Austin Vanderford, her husband, I feel like probably should be in the UFC more like is more deserving to be in the UFC than she is. Like he's a tough dude. He's over there in Bellator right now. He was on the contender series and did well there. Um, but they didn't want to give him a shot. I, I think they didn't like the whole husband wife dynamic, like weird thing. And if they were doing those, those creepy dance videos 
at that time, and then it would have they would they probably wouldn't have even put him on a contender series. <laughs> Bill, I don't even have a problem with the weird videos. I don't mind the husband wife thing, but for the love of everything, I wish he would do something about that neck tattoo. Just like wear a scarf or something. <laughs> I'm fine with the tattoo, Jeff. It's like, but having the net, the neck tattoo, and then doing like choreographed like Backstreet Boys dancing with your wife, <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's strange to me. I see the neck tattoo and I'm like, okay, guy's a fighter. I see the dancing videos and I'm like, guy's weird. <laughs> why, is he, why is he dancing like that? <laughs> what's, he, what's he doing? <laughs> But in any case, uh, I want to put a bow on this card, Jeff. But uh, so I'll give you a couple of things we didn't touch on. Muslim Salikov getting the split decision victory over Elizu Dos Santos. So, you know, a lot of spinning kicks uh, from both guys in this one. Uh, it, you know, pretty back and forth. Very exciting fight. Um, Amir Khan, we already talked about. Leonardo Santos, unanimous decision over... Uh, Roman Bogatov. Oh, this is a fight I wanted to talk about, Jeff, because this was so I, I say time after time, Mark Goddard is the worst referee in MMA. I don't think he should be allowed to referee anymore. And this fight is a great example of it because this fight should have been stopped in the second round when Bogatov was almost dead in the cage. And Santos basically tired himself out punching Bogatov in the head mm. with about 130 unanswered blows. Then you go into the third round where it never should have been. Dos Santos takes two low blows and then takes an illegal knee to the head. And he granted, he still won the fight, but you're talking about potential permanent injuries that he never should have faced because this fight should have been stopped in the second round. And it was absurd that it went on that long. And then, you know, Goddard took two points away, but all right, that's like it. That's after the fact, like you should have, you should have done something sooner. Um, I, I think the low blows, like maybe you got to take a point away for the first one and he didn't even take it for the second one. He just gave him a warning. It's like, we did the same thing again and you let him get away with it. And then the illegal knee, yeah, he took two points away, but like by that point, he should have already taken a point away and then taken two points for the illegal knee. Um, I, I'm just like really disappointed with Mark Goddard again. And this keeps coming up. And every time it comes up, I will say we need a governing body that oversees the judges, the athletic commission and the referees. Um, you know, and they're all under the, the same umbrella of the athletic commissions because there's no repercussions, you know, shit like this happens again and again, and the bad judging again and again, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can appeal a decision, but they'll never overturn an appeal because then that kind of goes against their own employees, the judges, uh, they'll never overturn a referee's decision either, uh, for the same reason. So you need to have like a governing body that says, okay, this was wrong and we need to fix it. Um, but until something like that is in place, you know, we're, we're going to have to deal with these frustrations and, um, it, you know, that's something I wanted to have a kind of a mini rant about. And I, I feel like I'm constantly disappointed with Mark Goddard 
for the decisions that he's making in there and putting these guys at risk. You know, uh, Santos took a lot of unnecessary damage, you know, to both of his heads. <laughs> I, I can't say I disagree with you, man, especially that second round, dude. Um, you, you know, uh, what's his name? Bogotov kind of went limp for a second. It, it was like he went out and then like came back because he kind he was kind of wrestling Santos, but he wasn't really. He was kind of just on top of him. Um, but man, dude, like yeah, this fight was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know, man. I mean, the resume is not looking good for Mark Goddard here. Yeah, um, we've had issues like this in the past, and and I agree with you, Bill. I think we need some governing body because not only does does you know that that knee in some places that would not have been illegal mm-hmm. because you know we don't all follow the the the, the unified rules. We need right. some type of governing body, man. Um, and you know if. I, I hate to get into this, but education has the same problem where like New Jersey's standards for learning are different from New York's. Mm-hmm. They're different from Texas. So that's why education is all over the place. But without getting into that too much, we're having the same problem in the UFC. And at, at least, you know, in the UFC, something can be done about it. If like you said, we have this governing body to oversee judges and reps and um, athletic commissions, and then we won't run into um, two judges giving it to Volkanovski when he only won two rounds. Yeah, if that. Yeah, if that. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, we could we could do a whole episode on this, and and I've been talking about this for years. I think Josh Barnett even mentioned it on Joe Rogan's podcast last week. How there needs to be some kind of, and he's the only other person I've heard say it besides myself. And I've been saying this for years, Jeff. You know this because I've been mostly saying it to you. <laughs> you hear, I, I'm like a broken record to you, but um, you know we have a lot of a, a lot of different people who come and go as as listeners of the show. And um, in any case, so Bogatov is a piece of shit because he lands the illegal knee. He lands it again. Um, I, I'm talking about the knees to the groin, and then you know it throws one to the head. Uh, and it's like, come on, dude, you're a piece of shit. The other piece of shit here is uh, Rolian Paiva, uh, which they, they kept saying Paiva, but I read his name as Paiva. But I'm I'm probably wrong on that because I know John Anik is, is the expert here, so I'll go with what he said, Paiva. This dude misses weight by three pounds, lands two low blows in the fight that he's winning. And the second one seemed to be intentional. Like, and then he's celebrating at the end. Like, what What kind of piece of shit are you? Like, first of all, make weight. Second of all, if you miss weight, follow the rules while you're in there. Hmm. Like, you, you're already, like, I, that's something else that we could go on and on about. Like, I think missing weight should result in a point deduction. It should impact the fight somehow because, obviously, you're making a decision to show up overweight and pay the fine uh so you can go in there and win the fight but if you make it so that it affects your ability to win the fight in in terms of like a point deduction or or even two points deduction uh you're not going to do that say for like every for every three pounds it's a point 
You know, so if you're four pounds over, it's two points. So you're already starting out in the hole because you're starting with an advantage by being bigger than the other person. That's the whole reason we have weight classes. So you need to abide by them. All right, rant over UFC 251. Um, it, you know, overall, I, I think a lot of people were disappointed because at the end, we, you know, we had the horrible decision in the Volkanovsky fight. And then a lot of people were bored with the main event. Uh, when they were expecting like a storybook ending. Um, but, you know, there, there were a lot of positives here, you know. Uh, so I'll just reiterate, Amanda Hibas, for sure. Yuri Prohaska, probably the best story coming out of this. Uh, Makwan Amirakani, I mean, who's not looking forward to that guy's next fight? And Davey Grant, um, those were all huge positives from this car, but I want to put a bow on this one because we're already like way over this one hour mark. I want to talk about this card next week. That's also going to be at Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. Uh, rough life for Dana White. I guess he's going to have to stay on the private Island in Abu Dhabi in these gorgeous hotel rooms uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for as long as they keep doing this. Um, this is a fun main event here, Jeff. You have seen on ESPN 13, Calvin Cater, and Dan Ige. Um, this is going to be a really fun one. These are two tough, scrappy guys that just go after it. They go for the finish nonstop, both of them. Uh, Ige coming off of, you know, kind of a controversial decision win in his last fight over, uh, was it Barbosa? Who moved oh, out? Uh, yeah, for Dan Ige? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Edson Barbosa. So he got the, the unanimous decision win. A lot of people thought it was a robbery, but nonetheless, here we are. Calvin Cater, man, the, this guy's the real deal. This is, this is, um, you know, whoever wins this one, it, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this because, you know, there's no other sporting events going on. Maybe a lot of people don't know who either of these guys are, but they will after Saturday night. It's a really fun main event. And then we got a super stacked card here. Um, with a, a lot of really fun fights. Uh, but I'll, I'll get into those in a minute. Give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff. Bill, I'm excited for the main event. However, I was more excited for what was supposed to be the co-main event of this fight, Bill, which was supposed to be Pedro Munoz versus Frankie Edgar at Bantamweight. However, um, I somebody... Yeah, so uh, they... Scrapped it because they, they moved it to UFC 252. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think they just announced that yesterday. Why? Why did they scrap it? I I remember uh, that happened, but I believe somebody in Munoz's camp uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen. So okay. just to be safe, they moved it. But Bill, um, now that I know that it's back on later in the year. I'm excited again. So, um, Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige, dude. This one, dude. I don't see this one going to the judges at all, man. Both of these guys bring it every time. Calvin Cater loves to push the pace. He hits hard. All right. I know we say that about a lot of guys, but Calvin Cater, he has power in both of his hands. He's got finishing power. But Dan Ige, he's not going to go down easy either. Um, you know, some people thought that the fight with Barbosa was a robbery. I, I could have seen it going either way. Um mm -hmm. So, you know, Danny Gay's a tough dude as well. So that's a really exciting fight. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We have a couple of other exciting fights on here as well. Tim Elliott versus Ryan Benoit. Jimmy Rivera's on here. Um, but, yeah, Bill, I think 
that oh Jared Gordon's fighting versus Chris Fishgold. That'll be a good fight. So Bill, um, this fight card looks a little bit shorter than th this week's card, but uh, should be just as exciting. And Bill, this card is on Wednesday. Am I right? I'm saying that. Uh oh yeah, July fifteenth. You're right. That is Wednesday. I'm glad you said that because I did not even put that together. Uh, yeah, the Jimmy Rivera Cody Stamen fight will will be awesome. C credit to St Cody Stamen, man, getting in there the week after his brother tra tragically passed away, winning a fight, and then getting right back in there um, against against a stud like Jimmy Rivera, you know, yeah. who's who's one of the top guys in this bantamweight division. Um, Abdul Razak Al Hassan is on this fight 10 and one um, welterweight 10 and one with 10 knockouts. Uh, mind you coming off that, that 42nd knockout of Nico price in his last fight. So that's definitely one to watch. Um, he's fighting a guy Munir Lazes who is nine and one uh, with eight knockouts. So uh, this is going to be a fun one. Um, that he's making his UFC debut. Uh, he's coming off of knockout wins in his last two fights. So that's my sleeper fight, Jeff. That's my pick for, for the one to watch on this fight. Abdul Razak Al Hassan and Munir Laziz. Um, check that one out for sure. But then some fun ones, like you said, Jared Gordon and Chris Fishgold on the prelims. That'll be a really good one. Um, two well-rounded guys. And then another one to keep an eye on Jack Shore, uh, uh, grappling based fighter, but very well-rounded 12 and 0. Uh, he comes from Wales. Uh, it's a second fight on the card against Aaron Phillips, who is, um, a very well-rounded fighter as well. Uh, so those are the ones I'm, I'm telling you guys to keep an eye on. Uh, usually I have a pretty good feel for these things, Jeff. Uh, so, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun night Wednesday night. Um, you know maybe we do a maybe we do a midweek podcast for this one, Jeff. That could Sounds be, like a that plan could be to cool. me. But Bill, um, Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Munir Lazez, dude, you're calling it your sleeper fight. I think someone's going to sleep in this fight, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I mean. Dude, um, yeah, that's going to be fun, and that's going to start. It looks like it's going to be the opener for the main card. Um, I hope that whoever's warming up is, is like, on standby because mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a very short fight. Yeah, and then in case we don't do a midweek card, we got Saturday night UFC Fight Night 172. The headline is supposed to be Davison Figueredo and Joseph Benavidez for the vacant uh, flyweight title. But Figueredo tested positive for COVID-19, but they still, I, I guess then he tested negative. I, I don't know what's going on there. They still flew him to Abu Dhabi. Uh, they have him there. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they'll have a replacement. But, uh, Jeff, if they cancel that fight and the co-main event becomes the main event, we got Kelvin Gaslam versus Jack Hermanson. Ooh. Why, I, that, hold on, Bill. Hold on. Just make that the main event. I don't even care about Figueredo versus Benavidez. Figueredo is probably not going to make any make weight anyway. Just <laughs> versus Kelvin Gastelum. You don't even need to put a title on the line. That could be the main event, dude. Yeah, 
and we we got some fun fights on this card too, Jeff. We got Mark DeCasey is fighting um, Rafael Fiziev. Uh, I'm not familiar with him, but DeCasey is very exciting. Alexander Pantoja against the undefeated Askar Askarov. Uh, a few undefeated fighters on the, on this card as well. Joe Duffy coming back. We haven't seen him in a while. He's going to be fighting Joel Alvarez. Uh, Brett Johns, the Pikey against the nine and one Montel Jackson. Uh, that's way down on the prelims. And then we got Sergey Spivak, uh, who, who's an exciting fighter against the undefeated Carlos Felipe. So this is a fun card too, Jeff. Um, you know, we got a lot of fun MMA action to, to look forward to on Wednesday and Saturday nights. Yeah, dude, I'm still disappointed that fight Island is not man-made, but, uh, <laughs> The fights that are going to be on it are going to be fantastic, man. That Saturday card is looking really, really good. Yeah, I got to say, I'm probably most looking forward to the Kelvin Gastelum, Jack Hermanson. I, I don't know why more people aren't talking about that. But, um, man, for for Wednesday night, that, that Al-Hassan fight is going to be so good. I mean, 19 knockouts between the two of them. That's going to be an awesome one. Anyway, I um, I hear my daughter screaming bloody murder downstairs. So I don't know if the microphone's picking that up or not, but uh, that's my cue to call it a show. <laughs> Maybe we'll be back for, uh, <laughs> for a minute. Oh, I hear it. Yep. Yep. There it is. Yep. So there we have it. We're going to have to wrap it up there. Uh, the long one this week. We had a lot to, uh, we had a lot to talk about. We got into a lot. I think it was a, I think we kept it mostly positive, Jeff, when there's a lot of negativity out there. That's what we try to do. Hope everybody continues to be good to each other out there. I know I don't have to tell that to anybody listening to this show, but uh, you know, make sure you're spreading that message. Just be good to each other out there because there's a lot of bad shit going on. And you know, we need to take care of each other. We're all we're all in this together. All right. So uh I don't know when we'll be back. Maybe we'll do a Wednesday thing, maybe we'll be back next. Sunday. I don't know. You guys let me know. If you really want to hear us uh, come on on Wednesday night and, and do the fights live, then then uh, keep sending us those messages and ask us to do it live. And, you know, maybe you can uh, maybe you can convince us. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot to convince me to, to pour a drink and talk to my buddy, the animal over here. If you want to talk to Jeff, the animal Wilson, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at animal underscore Wilson. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on social media. If you guys want an MMA on the rocks t-shirt, um, just check out the link that's, uh, posted in my Instagram bio or pinned. It's the top tweet, uh, pinned on my Twitter. Um, a lot of people have been ordering shirts and we definitely appreciate it. Um, you know, you guys asked for it for a long time, Jeff, we're coming up on four years of this show. I think it's, uh, I think it's this week is four years. So, you know, what better way to celebrate than, uh, then do like three shows. We do the 200th episode is a, is a brawl crawl. Yeah. My uncle says we should do it live. All right. I'm all, so I'm all for it. Let's do it. That's it. That's all we needed. We just need sure. Tommy to tell yeah. us on his birthday for his birthday. All he wants is for a live MMA on the rock show. <laughs> Wednesday. So we're going to do it. All right. I still hear the kids screaming downstairs. I, I hope my wife is still alive when I find her. <laughs> In any case, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for sharing the episode. Thanks for leaving reviews. Uh, thanks for all your feedback. Thanks for buying t-shirts. Thank you for everything. That's all we got. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>